Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either. Who knew Jesse Williams had that big old penis? You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Y'all, I just got off a plane from Ghana. I have traveled for the last, what, 24 hours? Everything was fine in my world when I got on the plane in Ghana. I checked my phone right up until I lost service when the plane took off. No news had occurred. I had a six-hour flight between Ghana and my layover in Amsterdam. I get on the Wi-Fi at the airport. My phone went crazy. Everybody talking to me about Jesse Williams. My DMs, my texts, my emails, my WhatsApp. I think it's, I'm thinking it's something to do with him and his ex-wife. They stay in a battle over child custody or alimony or child support or something. I knew he was in this play on Broadway only because of their court battle. Last I heard, he had quit his job at Grey's Anatomy after like 15 seasons, paying his ex-wife, I want to say $40,000 in child support. He was trying to get it reduced, I want to say like to $6,000. There's a big gap between $40,000 and $6,000. Jesse said he was doing a show on Broadway. He said he was only getting paid $1,600 a week. I was like, bruh, you're like an A-list celebrity. What are you talking about? Jesse said he was doing this play on Broadway called Take Me Out. I'm sure what I read gave like an overall description because that would be, you know, correct journalism. Just to give a little blurb of what the play was about. I didn't hear nothing about him being naked. I just knew he'd taken a huge pay cut in order to do this show. It didn't really make logical sense to me. But like I said, he and his ex-wife have been engaged in ongoing battle over money. Maybe he's being an asshole. He's taking a reduced rate for work so he don't have to pay her $40,000 a month. He's making good money. $40,000 is a percentage of what he's getting paid. He's not broke. He's able to live and eat. Just keep in mind $40,000 a month. That's some people's annual salary. Understand it's relative to what he's getting paid, but it's a lot of money. So I was like, maybe he's taking on lesser work so he don't have to pay this woman, which is petty. You have children together. The children should be supported in the means that they were accustomed to while the parents were married. If one of the parents is still making good money, I understand that. So when people, so when I saw all these comments about Jesse, I was like, Lord, what are him and his ex-wife up to now? I clicked the link and I said, woo, did somebody pop a Molly? I'm sweating. Woo. Who knew that Jesse Williams was walking around with all that? I, I had no clue. I mean, we said he had BD energy when he was really on his Black Lives Matter chat. We was talking about just because they say we're magic doesn't mean we're not real. I just thought he was like on some activist shit. I didn't know he was, you know, really had like a whole magic stick, a magic stick. That's more than BDE. That's like gigantic dick energy, sir, sir. Somebody sent me a picture intuitively. I said, this looked like a screenshot from the video. I ran to Twitter. My flight was late leaving Ghana. I thought I had a longer layover than I did. I didn't have much time. I went to the VIP lounge and I sat on that good Wi-Fi scrolling through Twitter trying to find video. It did not disappoint. I thought just seeing the picture was something to behold. In the video, he slapped that thing. It was 8 o'clock in the morning in Amsterdam. I said, oh! People turned around and looked at me. I wanted to show them what I saw so they would understand. Woo, child. Who knew Jesse Williams was bringing that to the table? I said something about it on Instagram. And you know me. I just acknowledge, you know, like Jesse M.F. Williams. We had to put an M.F. on his name now. He's earned it. Or maybe he's been blessed with it. I don't know if that's something you earn, but he's been blessed. Very blessed. 
I, I had to celebrate the moment. You know, I put some, I put something classy on Instagram because you know my daddy followed me on Instagram, and also I got like some brand deals in the work. I can't be too salacious right now. I saw a few people in the comments. They were like, Demetria, this was a leak. This was a breach. You should not be, you know, cackling and kikiing over this. This was a violation to him. Back up. Jesse is in this show on Broadway that I would just like to point out. I don't think Broadway properly promoted it because the show been out since what, like March? And I'm just now paying attention to it because I didn't know he was butt naked in the show. And even if you told me Jesse Williams was butt naked in the show, I didn't know that it was something to be, you know, uh, uh, titillated or excited by. I didn't know it was this. I was like, you want people to show up to the show? Tell them about the good parts of the show. Apparently, he's playing this gay baseball player and, and he gets naked in the show. If you told me he got naked back in March, I would have been on a plane back in March to go support this Broadway show. At the very least, I would have been talking about it on my podcast and spreading a good word. But folks pointed out and they were like, you know, people go to see this show where Jesse is naked in this show. There is a rule for the theater that people put their phones in a closed pouch and that they don't access them for the duration of the show. And they don't take pictures and they definitely do not film and record, which is a standard Broadway procedure. Any show you go to, whether they take your phones or not, this is standard procedure. But because of the nudity in this show, they steal your phones. So someone clearly went into this show with a phone that they did not seal and they took this video and they have now leaked it to the public. Every woman I know is talking about going to this show now in on the East coast and not my best friend hit me legit and was like, when do you land? Let's get tickets. Let's I can go East. I don't go East in the winter, but I was like, it's spring again. It has sprung like Jesse Williams penis. I could go East again. That was a lot of penis. And then he tapped it. Woo. I was way too excited. Like usually dick pics and dick videos don't really do it for me. If I'm going to see it up close, I like to see it in person. This, who knew, Jesse? Who knew? It explains so much about the ex-wife keeping him in court all these years. They've been going back and forth with the divorce, the custody, the child support. They stay in a courtroom over their issues. And I was like, girl. You should have told us something about this before because I was like, they going back and forth. And I was like, look, I know I know ma'am is trying to get her money. I know ma'am feels a way about supporting this man when he was broke and then he glows up to be this like Hollywood A-lister. He's on a hit long running show. He's making all this money and he acts a fool and then he goes off and gets a, a woman half your age and half your size. Like, I get it. I get it. There's anger and there's animosity. I get it. But then once I saw the dick, I was like, oh, girl. You should have told us this a long time ago. She should have leaked the pictures. Because we would have had a whole different understanding of this situation. I'd be on the same shit talking about you leaving me. Mm-mm. I'd be Jennifer Holiday and Jennifer Hudson. And I am telling you. I'm off key today. I'm off key every day. Stay with me. I got red wine in my system. No way. No, 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 no way. You're not living without me. I don't want to be free. I am staying, I am staying, and you, and you, and you, Jesse ass women going nowhere, you gonna love me, Mm -mm. I wouldn't have left either if I was Aaron, I'm not going without a fight, sis, I understand, get your ex-husband and his gigantic dick back, I completely understand where sis is coming from, girl, girl, we thought she was doing the most, we understand, sis, we understand, woo, now Jesse Williams, he was on, um, Watch What Happens Live. I don't know if it was before or after. I'm reading this piece on CNN. 
This is the title. It says, Jesse Williams responds to Buzz over his Broadway nude scene. So I don't know if this is before the leak or after the leak. But Jesse's take was, it's a body. Once you see it, you realize whatever. It's a boy. I just have to make it not that big of a deal. Really? All boys ain't built like that. It's not just, oh, it's a boy. Nah, bruh. Nah. Nah. He's got to know that that's not like average size. He's got to know. Nobody's going to know. People know. I'm like, is he not aware? He has to be aware. I can't imagine just knowing New Yorkers how I do. I can't imagine that he comes on the stage with that gigantic penis swinging and there's not like any sort of crowd reaction that lets him know that ain't no average dick boy. This is somebody on my Instagram page said this and I saw it and I howled with laughter. She said the way people reacting over Jesse Williams dick, she's like, that's what Nelly wanted. I was like, oh, Nelly couldn't have possibly thought that he was working with the same thing that Jesse is. Like, you got to know where you fit on the size spectrum. Did you not play any kind of sports? Or do you not watch any kind of porn? You, you got to know, like, you know, am I average? Am I below average? Am I just above average? Am, am I exceptional? I actually wrote about this, like, openly on Instagram. This whole, like, extra large penis phenomenon that's happening. It was like, I appreciate it. I like the way it looks. But, like, I'm not, I'm more of, like, a medium-sized girl. Like, I don't, I like my uterus intact. I'm usually not, like, an extra large person. But, like, Jesse, it was pretty, too. It was shaved. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Somebody on my Instagram comment said, no wonder Jesse won a pony. Excuse me. A Tony Award. He has been nominated for, he has not won a Tony Award yet. He has been nominated for a Tony Award for best performance by a featured actor in a play. The play where his penis is out. I was like, are are we awarding him because his dick is big or because his acting is good? I don't know. I haven't seen the play. And I've never watched an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Not one single episode. I love the Shonda. I just never paid attention to it. Jesse says of his performance in the new show, in which, again, they're paying him $1,600 a week. He said he was terrified of the role in the nude scene. He said he eventually got over it. He says, quote, I noted that this was what I asked God for. I asked to be terrified. I asked to do something that was scary and challenging and made me earn it and made me feel alive and not comfortable. I would like to acknowledge, again, that he is in a show where there's a rule for theater that you don't take pictures and you don't take video. It's a, it's a long-standing Broadway rule. If you go, you should know this. There are announcements about it. In this case, the theater takes the extra step of securing the phone. He did have a, I don't know if it was reasonable, there was an expectation, I guess in mass, that people would not be pulling out their phones and recording. I think at this day and age, it's very naive to think that no one would record. I can't be the only person that has two, if not three phones. I've upgraded my iPhone a couple of times. I have the backup version. You don't need to have a SIM card and a backup phone in order to take pictures and record. As long as it's charged, it works for the basic functionalities. You know, you can hand over one phone to be sealed very easily and have another phone as a backup, which I'm probably going to imagine is what happened here. Somebody pulled out their phone and they clearly turned the flash off. Because of someone who's been an asshole and pulled out their phone at a place I wasn't supposed to record. I was in Istanbul. I pretended that I I didn't understand the language in order to pull out my phone to see like the whirling dervishes. It was the most beautiful shit I ever saw. And I was like, I have to record this moment. Pulled it out to record video like an asshole. And then the flash automatically came on because it was dark. So whoever did this pulled out their phone. 
clearly turned their auto flash off so that it, the phone would stay dark. And they, they got this amazing footage that they have blessed the internet with. I don't know if Jesse feels violated. I hope that he doesn't. This show, the, the show about to go through the roof. Like, he's already been nominated for a Tony. Clearly, there was already interest in this show. It was already getting a great reception. They're going to have to extend the run or something because women are trying to flock to Broadway to see this man's penis. And I don't think that they should be denied. Give the people what they want. And raise this man's check. I know Broadway is like notoriously cheap. It doesn't pay well. It's something you do for the love of the craft. Actually, actually, I take that back because I briefly dated this guy as in went on dates. We weren't in anything serious. We just went on a couple dates. He was in Hamilton and not even Broadway Hamilton. He was on touring Hamilton and he made $15,000 a week for a few months. Broadway does pay depending on the show. But like the craft is lovely. I'd like to see more of it. I feel like this show should go on an extended run. Take it on tour for those people who can't make it to the East. For the people. Take it international. People would love to see this. People will pay good money for this. You know, he was not hard. As big as that thing was, he wasn't even ready to go. Can you imagine when he's like at full mass? Oh, my God. Jesse, who knew? Besides that ex-wife, he wouldn't be my ex-husband. We had to figure it the fuck out. I want to know the level of fucked up that he was that his wife was like, I can't deal with this shit no more. You've pissed this woman off that bad where she's like, fuck it. I don't even care. I'm done with it. To be done with that, he had to do some wild shit. Woo. Bless Aaron. Bless everybody that tries to ride that ride because that's not an easy ride. That's not an easy ride. Speaking of rides, did y'all see that video of Meg and Party up in the club? They were in New York for a Duce event to celebrate what's Megan's new single, Plan B. I read that on Double XL. But they in the middle of the dance floor and a party got her up in the air. She just a bouncing around and she looked like she might slip a little bit. He hoisted her up and kept the party going like she was lightweight. He was tossing her around like she was one of them Victoria's Secret models and not one of them Fenty models. He was just a bouncing and she was just a flipping about. And I was like, oh, I'm sure he brings much more to the table than that. You know how I feel about party. After the black girl song, I was like, I love him. Folks on the internet was like, where's the tape? Release the tape. <laughs> we want to see a tape. I laughed, but I was like, you know, it's not a bad idea. I'm just saying. Others have done it. I don't really want that from Meg. I'm just being silly. But if it happened to leak, I'd watch it. The whole internet is trying to figure out how much Meg weighs now. Folks went and found some site. Washington something or another. The name of the publication doesn't matter to me because it's so blatantly wrong. They said Meg weighed 148 pounds. And I was like, there's no way in hell. She'd be a stick. I don't think people understand proportions on like tall women. And like, of course, I'm not a tall woman. I'm like all of 5'2". But I have tons of tall friends. One of my besties in high school was 5'9". She was like 140 in a size 2. You put an extra 15 pounds on her, I don't even think you're up to a size 6 yet. And different bodies carry their weight differently. But I was like, there's no way in possible hell Meg the Stallion is 148 pounds. People get these real like weird fascinations with numbers on a scale, especially when it comes to women, like higher numbers. You just think that like, oh, if I hear something that's like, you know, 170 or 200, then she must be really overweight. They don't take into factors like, you know, muscle mass or height even. It's insane to me that people can look at a shape like Meg the Stallion and be like, oh, that's 148. It's impossible. The other weird thing, too, is I'm scrolling through Twitter looking at these threads about Meg's weight. 
And apparently Meg did a TikTok and she said she's like close to 200, which I haven't seen the TikTok, so I can't verify that it exists. Several people mentioned it. I'm like, if Meg says that she's close to 200, why are we, why are we believing some random website that says otherwise? There's also this putting out a number that doesn't even make any sense. But there's a whole thread of women like sharing their height and weight. But it's very interesting just to look at, you know, different body shapes and sizes associated with like the heights and the numbers. Bodies really do just be all over the place. You really like unless you're trained to do so, it's very difficult to look at someone and be like, oh, they weigh this. I have a friend who's a bodybuilder and he's actually really good at it. We used to work out together and he like just looked at me and was like, oh, you weigh X, Y, Z. And I was like, holy shit. Like that was like one pound off from like the scale that morning. But him, a professional bodybuilder who like looks at people's bodies and their muscle versus fat for a living. Him, that makes sense. The average person, not so much. Because I was looking at some of the pictures like trying to guess. I was just all manner of off. I was like, clearly this is not my ministry. But yeah, but her and party, they was having a good time. I'd like to have a time like that myself. There is some good black news this week. There's also a bunch of bullshit, but we'll start with the good black news. We're clearly out of order this week, and that's fine. I'm out of order this week. I'm like not jet lag, but kind of am. It's weird. Let's see what our good black news is this week. Queen Latifah has yet another CoverGirl contract. Congratulations to her. I believe the queen is in her 50s, is she not? How old is Queen Latifah? Let's look this up. How old is Queen? Not Queen Elizabeth. Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah, she was born in 1970. That would make her 52. She don't look no parts of 52. Or whatever I thought 52 would look like. She looks good. That's what I'm trying to say. Queen Latifah looks good. She is the yet again face of CoverGirl. I think her show, The Equalizer, just got picked up for another two seasons too. I believe I just read that. Let me look that up too. I ain't never watched an episode of that show. As much as I love Queen Latifah, I've just never done it. I'm reading this on a TV Insider. They said CBS has picked up The Equalizer for a third and fourth season. Oh, that means her ratings are good, good. They're making good money. It said CBS made the announcement following the success of an episode that landed as the number one scripted series on television, averaging 9.46 million viewers. I had no idea the show was that popular. Do I need to watch The Equalizer? I love Queen Latifah. I just, it just didn't strike my fancy, but maybe I need to. Like everybody else is watching it. I read that Will Smith is headed to Letterman. David Letterman has a really good show on Netflix. I read that Will Smith is going to be one of his guests for the upcoming season. That'll be exciting. David Letterman is an excellent interviewer. Remember a few episodes ago, we talked about Jada Pinkett Smith. She said that the, the Smith family was healing. And in due time, they would come to the red table to discuss, you know, what's going on with them. That led to the slap, recovery from the slap, whatever. I said at the time, I was like, I don't want to see no parts of Will Smith and Jada sitting on the red table discussing this. They are not the right platform for that discussion. I said they need to go get a well-known, respected interviewer that people actually respect to if they, if they want to sit down and publicly talk about it. I think if they want to continue to have public careers, that they're going to have to address it in some form or fashion at some point. Now, I don't think is the correct time. I think they're doing exactly what they should be doing by not talking about it. Short of Jada's new season of Red Table Talk, she's only mentioned this lap briefly. And Will 
I guess post um, the academy suspending him for 10 years, he said he accepted the decision and we haven't heard much from Will. I think he went off to India. He hasn't been posting on Instagram. Even when Jada posts, she um, she limits her comments, which is for the best. Folks be chomping at the bit to tear her apart lately. I think their strategy of silence is working in their favor. I'm not even all that upset at Will Smith, but I'm so tired of talking about that man. I think whenever he speaks to Letterman, that conversation probably won't air for another few months. I think that's a good platform to him to speak. And I think that's a good person for him to speak to. Dave Letterman is a hell of an interviewer. If you haven't watched his interview series on Netflix, it's very worthwhile. Like everyone he sits down with, even people I'm not necessarily interested in. Like he made Kim Kardashian interesting to me. He did a really great episode with Dave Chappelle, comedian on comedian. Like that was, it was really, really good work. Oh, unfortunately, our good news has come to an end. We have some not so good news. My show, my show on ABC, Queens, got canceled. I'm so upset. I actually really like Queens and like watched it like faithfully. I might not have recapped it all the time, but like I genuinely enjoyed that show. It was a good, fun show to me. I liked Brandy. I liked Eve. I liked Notori. I liked Little Muffin. I don't remember the name of the actress that played Brandy's daughter on the show, but I liked her too. She was so cute and she was going to be a rapper too. They done took my show. It always did seem to me to be like a weird fit for ABC. That seemed more cable to me, more premium network to me, more streamer even. I thought it was a really well done show. It obviously didn't get the ratings that they wanted, hence why it is no more. But damn it. I wonder if another network can pick it up because it's a good show. It was smart. It was funny. I liked all the guest appearances. I liked Remy Ma when she came on because Eve left because she got pregnant. Couldn't guess that probably had something to do with the cancellation because Eve got pregnant midway through and was like, yeah, I'm going to have my baby. Good day. I'm sure they didn't plan for that. The other not so good black news. So I had said a while ago, I acknowledged that there was a news story that had come out about Black Lives Matter and that they had bought this $6 million house and no one could really say what it was for. And I said, I didn't want to speak about it until they gave some, you know, reasonable explanation for why they went and bought this $6 million house that apparently they haven't done anything with. They, they gave some excuse like they were using it as a safe house for, for BLM activists that had been harassed. And so if they needed a place to go, they could stay at this house. Then it was supposed to be like a content creator's house. But then the question became, well, okay, so where's the content that was produced in this house? And then it was like crickets. And I was like, I don't want to bash Black Lives Matter, especially because three black women were the founders. I think the mission of Black Lives Matter is is purposeful and strong and necessary. And so I was like, let me get these black folks an opportunity to get their shit together and tell me something good that's believable because I really don't want to get on this podcast and blast black people or black women, especially those who are out here or allegedly out here who are supposed to be out here fighting for our black ass lives. Okay. Earlier today, Patrice Cullors, she's the co-founder of Black Lives Matter. She admits to using the mansion in question, the $6 million mansion for parties. And this is despite her previously saying that she never used the property for personal gain. 
So on Monday, she did an interview with the Associated Press and she told them that she hosted her son's birthday party and a gathering to celebrate President Biden's inauguration on the property. Um, Also, I think it's notable that she is currently not serving with Black Lives Matter at this time. She resigned as the executive director a year ago after spending six years at the helm. So she says that she had um, intended to pay a rental fee for the private birthday party for her son. Intended is notable, which means she didn't pay anything. And Black Lives Matter confirmed that it had billed her for the birthday party. So I'm like, she intended to pay and they bill doesn't come across to me as payment was made. Maybe it's just me. Colors acknowledged in the AP interview that she probably should not have used the compound in the way that she did. She says, quote, I look back at that and think that probably wasn't the best idea. This is a mess. If you recall, when the story first came out about this house, there had been a leak of an internal memo where they were trying to figure out a way to kill the story. And then fast forward to now when Patrice comes out and says, yeah, I know what I said then, but you know, this is what I'm saying now. There's been so much mismanagement going on with this organization. I'm also reading in the same article and I'm reading from the New York Post. If I didn't say this earlier, points out that the organization only recently caught up with its financial filings in California after Black Lives Matter was declared delinquent and submitting required charity disclosures from 2020. Maybe I'm giving a lot of grace here. It doesn't sound to me like they're intentionally doing dumb shit. In the same AP conversation, Color says that Black Lives Matter wasn't prepared to deal with the influx of donations in the wake of George Floyd's death and that the organization was slow to build the necessary framework. She says, quote, we use this term in our movement a lot, which is building the plane while flying it. I don't believe in that anymore. The only regret I have with BLM is wishing that we could have paused for one or two years to just not do any work and just focus on the infrastructure. But I really hope that this is that these screw ups that they're they're dealing with are not a result of someone trying to steal money. Um, that it is a result of maybe poor management or being overwhelmed. You know, Black Lives Matter took off. And I always like to point this out. The first time Black Lives Matter came out, it was in, in, in response to Ferguson. Black Lives Matter was considered like almost like a terrorist organization. I interviewed, was it, was it Patrice? Was that who I interviewed on here? No, Alicia. Alicia, one of the other founders, Alicia Garza, was who I interviewed on here. And Alicia, I always remember this story because it's so crazy to me, but Alicia was talking about being in the airport, going through the airport and waiting for a flight. And they were playing CNN on the news. And she looked up and she saw herself being described as a terrorist. And she was like, are, are you serious now? But I always like to point that out because people remember Black Lives Matter, like post George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, where you couldn't log on to any sort of shopping site without a big pop up about, you know, so and so believes Black Lives Matter. And we're committed to and we've donated to hashtag Black Lives Matter. Rest in peace, George Floyd. The second reiteration of Black Lives Matter it became like this corporate hashtag. But the first time around, they treated them like terrorists. The second time around. When every state in the country had at least one protest and then overseas, people were protesting in solidarity. It became a lot. I totally get how they could be like, we became overwhelmed. I get it. 
just I'm very disappointed to hear that I don't know they fucked this up it's one of those like we were rooting for you we were rooting for you and I'm like now like will people feel comfortable sending them donations will people take Black Lives Matter seriously folks have been trying to discredit Black Lives Matter with every means possible and then you know this situation come into light and then Patrice you know essentially admitting like yeah I lied I mean thank you for telling the truth on the back end it's better to have it late than never at all but still Sis, Black Lives Matter, I hope they can get their shit together. I don't like this conversation. I don't like having to talk about shit like this. I don't like having to be like, yo, black women, what the fuck? Get your shit together. Get your shit together. Thank you. (sighs) Oh, we need an update on the single dad. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. My friend, my friend who was a single father, he's a good dad, nice looking guy. He, He was, he is. Dating a woman that has her shit together. She's making between 300, 400. He doesn't understand what he brings to the occasion. And I told him with the same thing that we talked about on here. I said, companionship, dick, and protection. So the last big conversation I had with him, he's still dealing with the woman. She's moving. He has some downtime right now with his work. And so he volunteered to help her. It was like, you know, I can help you pack up your boxes and I can take the TVs down. Handyman, man shit. Like, this is shit that he's good at doing. He, he wants to do it. She thanked him for offering, but she said, no, I got it. And he was like, what? And she said, like, I don't need you to do any of that. I just need you to come over and spend time and we could go out to dinner. Just have a nice time. I don't need you to do all that. So he came to me. He was very confused. And he was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And I was like, you do what she said, my dude. Why you want to be busy so bad? Go to dinners. Have some nice times. What is the problem? He was like, you told me companionship, dick, and protection. I said, I did. And he said, doesn't this fall under protection? Making sure her house is set up right? And I was like, I can see how you could misinterpret that. She's paying somebody to do it. She's not actually going to physically pack the shit up. She's going to pay someone to do all that. She's going to pay someone to take the stuff off the walls. She's going to pay someone to put it up on the new walls. Like, she just wants you to spend time with her and relax. You don't have to do any manual labor. He was like, nah. You got a nigga out here feeling not useful. And he was like, I can't be nowhere where I don't feel useful. I'm like, why you want to work so bad? Why? And he was like, because I'm a man. That's what I do. So we had to have a conversation about love languages. And look, let me tell you, dude is, he's a guy. If you speak to him carefully and you reinterpret things into man language that he can understand, he'll be like, oh, okay. But you can't just be like, you know, dude, just don't. Because that's what I was trying to do with him. And he was like, nah, this, this ain't going to work. And I was like, okay. Maybe y'all are having a, a, a contrasting love language situation. And he was like, love languages. Talk to me more. She said love languages too. So I had to send him the link about love languages. And then we had to go over, like, you know, the different ways that they're expressed. I was like, you know, based on what you're telling me, it sounds to me like spending quality time and probably physical touch. It seems to me like those are her love languages based on what you're sharing with me about her. He was like, yeah, she want me to lay up under her. and She like the, you know, she like she like a lot of sex. OK. All right. OK. We, we saying the same thing. OK. So I was like, maybe you need to explain to her that your love language is acts of service. Because you're telling me that you, you want to go over and pack stuff up. You want to move shit around. You want to lift shit. Take the TVs off the wall. Like, you like to be doing stuff for somebody. That's how you, that's how you show your love for them. And he was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I got I to feel, I feel utilized. Okay. 
Okay, we, we staying the same thing. We, we still here, bruh. So I was like, why don't you talk to her about how you recognize how she needs to feel loved. Use the love language language. Use the words like she needs uh, quality time and physical touch. And you need you need to perform acts of service. That's important to you. That's how that's how you feel loved and appreciated is, is doing acts of service for, for your person. And he said, OK. And I also had to point out to him and I was like, look, like I understand that, that you like to show love via acts of service. That's your way of expressing love to someone. But you have to love someone the way that they like to be loved for it to be effective because you packing up her house isn't love language for her. It's nice. It's a nice gesture. It's kind. But that doesn't move the needle for her. Where she gets really appreciative of you is when you come and spend time with her and y'all have good sex. He was like, yeah, yeah. She liked that a lot. Okay, All right. I don't need that much information. Thank you. This man's like a brother to me. I don't I don't need his. I don't need to know about sex life. So I was talking to him and I said, well, you know, how do you like to be loved? Because clearly quality time and uh, physical touch are are, are not your thing. He said, I ain't say I had a problem with any of those. He's like, I just need to be his favorite word utilized. So you're the way that she needs to show love to you is asking you to do shit. That's that's what works for you. And he was like, yes, utilize, utilize. I don't know who taught him this word. <laughs> it's his favorite word. Utilize. OK, OK. So he went and talked to the lady and he told her that he needed to be utilized and that he was fine with the quality time and physical touch. But, but he needed to feel that he was needed in the relationship. Needed is really what he's saying. He, he needed to, to do things. She was really apologetic and she was like, I wasn't trying to make you feel not needed. It's like, I know you just have a lot going on with your son and with your own business and, and other projects that you're working for. And she was like, I have enough money to like pay the movers and, and do all this stuff that I don't have to be inconvenienced with any of those things. But she was like, I wasn't trying to take your time and resources away from your business and from your son. She was like, you've constantly expressed to me like how important your son is to you and quality time with your son. And she was like, I know that that's your first priority. And so she was like, time spent packing up my place. It's time that you could be devoted to your business or devoted to your son or just relaxing and doing nothing. Like, I'm not trying to make your life harder. She also said to him, this was this threw a curveball to both of us. She said, if you really want to be helpful and you want to be useful, she said, why don't you move in and you could take out the trash and lock up the house at night? Walk the dogs and charge up the car. She said that she appreciates that he checks on her every night. But she said, you really want to make the sure I'm OK. Come be in my bed. I said, oh, <laughs> she not playing with you. And he was like, you know what? I'm not even mad at it. The boy is out the house soon. He's going off to college. He said, I'm not trying to sit up in this damn house by myself. It's something to consider. They had a good conversation. I think they found like a middle ground. He hasn't hit me in like a week. This man was blowing up my phone. It was 3 a.m. in Ghana. So he's texting me and my phone is going off and I hit him back. And I was like, Negro, it's 3 a.m. And he was like, you up though? Nigga. I've known this man since I was like 10 years old. <sighs> he's so sweet. He has a good heart. He genuinely has a good heart. He just don't know what the fuck he's doing right now. <sighs> Bless his heart. What else? I have on here to talk about Kim Kardashian's Maryland dress. I know we talked about it a little bit on last episode. And I was going to talk about how the historians are really upset about it. I think I cared about that last week. I, I don't care this week. I'm sorry. So we're moving on. But the historians are really upset and rightfully so. Maybe I should mention it. Maybe it's worth mentioning. The historians are pointing out about Kim K's dress. They're like, it's not just the fact that, you know, Marilyn Monroe wore the dress. The dress is based on an early Bob Mackie sketch who is a revered designer for women's dresses. 
He's very well known for doing a lot of costumes for Cher. He's also, to me, best known as doing the outfits for Diana Ross and Lady Sings the Blues. He might have done the fashions for Mahogany, too. Let me look that up. Yes, he also did the fashion for Mahogany. Let me double check the one on Lady Sings the Blues. He definitely did the one where she was performing at Carnegie Hall at the end of the film. I don't know if he did all of the designs for Lady Sings the Blues, but he did do a lot of them. I want to say one of the outfits, there's a, there's a scene where Diana Ross has on like a blue, a, like a Tiffany blue suit with like fur trim. It's a Bob Mackie design and it's on display or it used to be on display at the um, Blacksonian in D.C., the Black, the African-American Museum. What's the, what's the official name of the Blacksonian? The museum with, with all the black stuff. Everybody calls it Blacksonian. I don't remember the real name of it anymore. What is the name of that place? You know what I'm talking about. I'm moving on. So, okay. So Marilyn Monroe's dress was an early design from Bob Mackie. And it's also made out of this special silk that is no longer used anymore because it's so flammable. I don't know who got burnt up in it where they realized that it was super flammable and was a bad idea to make silk out of this. But apparently this silk was like perfect for dyeing nudes. It was, it was specifically dyed to match Marilyn Monroe's skin. So there's the designer of the dress and then there's the, uh, the fabric of the dress, which make it special. I can't remember where I was reading this. You know, I like to cite my sources. There was, they were also talking about the dress being a representation of like women's sexuality at that time period. So typically when a dress of this nature is owned by a museum, they would never let anybody wear it because it's considered like a work of art. You can't risk anything happening to it. The issue with the Marilyn Monroe dress is that it's owned by Ripley's Believe It or Not, which is not classified as a museum. So this is how Kim Kardashian ends up with this particular Marilyn Monroe dress. The historians are livid that they even allowed something to happen to this dress, especially since, you know, we talked last week about how Kim Kardashian couldn't even get into the dress. There's no way her hips didn't stretch the dress. And then she wore the dress with, with unzipped, with her bum hanging out, because she could not fit in the dress. Um, so historians were like absolutely livid about this whole situation, which I was like, oh, okay. So they, they're justifiably upset. The white people who were just like, I can't believe like Marilyn Monroe is so sacred. And I was like, is she? The woman has been deceased for like over 50 years. I see no reason to drag her. I just think it's interesting, you know, how the arc of time has remembered her, I think, quite differently than she was remembered during her heyday. I still haven't watched that documentary on Netflix. Maybe I'll get around to it this week. I know I'm going to be all like jet lagged for like at least the rest of the week. So I just accept it. Speaking about the arc of life, I wanted to mention this briefly. I think the last week's episode, I ended the episode and I made a mention of Bozema St. John. If you are not familiar with her, she was most recently the CMO at Netflix. She is rumored to have been paid $4 million to $7 million for that job, which I was like, yeah, damn. I knew she was paid. I know she's paid like that. There are some people who believe that she is a marketing maverick. She's worked for several high profile companies, usually for two years or less. But she's been at, obviously, Netflix, but she's been at Apple. She's been at Uber. She's been at Endeavor. There's another high-profile one that escapes my mind. But she usually has very short tenures at these companies. 
And so there are people that believe that she's, you know, bouncing her way up the ladder as professional strategy. There are other people that speculate that she's getting fired from these jobs. She recently exited Netflix after less than two years back in March. By the way she reacted to it on Instagram, I assumed that she was let go, that she didn't step down. And then also the way the press release came out, um, they just sort of like made a notation that that her number two was going to replace her. And that was that. And I was like, oh, this doesn't seem like a am moving on to other endeavors. This seems like I've been told I'm no longer welcome here. But when she left Netflix back in March, because of her quick stays at most of these companies, there's been a lot of speculation of whether she's like some marketing maverick or she's just, you know, talks a good game. But does she deliver? And it came up again with this Netflix exit. And it was just like, what is going on with this woman? I'm telling you this story because the arc of life is always so interesting to me. So when she was let go in March, it was kind of confirmed, quote unquote, for a lot of people that like, oh, she's like, you know, just bouncing around to these companies and she doesn't know what she's doing. She's a a lot of show and a lot of hype. And then they let her go. She left Netflix in March. Netflix tanked in April. So when she got let go, there was one narrative. Literally six weeks later, the narrative turned and it was just like, oh, Maybe she knew something that nobody else did. Maybe she got off the sinking ship to go walk on water because Netflix is tanking right now. Usually the way people perceive you doesn't change so quickly. I share that story on the heels of the Marilyn Monroe story because I think it's fascinating. People can go from thinking of you one way and over the arc of time. It usually takes longer than six weeks in Bozeman's case. But it's fascinating to me that like in Marilyn Monroe's life, she could be thought of as a drug addict, a whore, for being a mistress to the president, allegedly, or just being sexually free at a time when, you know, it wasn't, I was going to say as acceptable as it is now, but it's really not that acceptable now. Like you could do it, but people still call you all sorts of names, i.e. Chloe, Chloe Bailey. Anybody can get it at any time. Like you could do it, but there was always somebody waiting in the wings to shame you. But I just think it was really interesting just watching all these people react to Kim Kardashian wearing Marilyn Monroe's dress and defending Marilyn Monroe. And I was like, wow, the perception of her has really changed. It also made me wonder, how long is it going to take for the perception of Kim Kardashian to change? Largely, people think of her as a talentless reality star who got famous off of a sex tape. That's often what she's derided as and what she's summed up as. She's, she's thought of as lesser, despite her billions. People just don't accept her. Like if we were talking Gilded Age, reality stars, inf- influencers that make a ton of money too, are considered new money and people just don't respect them the same way. But what happens like, I don't know, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, six weeks from now, does that perception change? I think it does. I'm just interested to see what it changes into. You can say the same thing about Kevin Samuels. As much as there's, I would say probably like 50% of the people who know about and, and care to comment on his death. People are very much like, you know, he will be remembered how he lived. And for some people, that's like pure D trash. I mean, you know my my stance on him. I called the man a cult leader. I called the man a cult leader. I turned down a TV opportunity because they wanted me to co-star with him. And I was like, have you lost your fucking mind? And then there's a whole other half of the population that literally, we talked about this, were like, he was like the father I never had. He was a truth sayer. He held people accountable. And I was like, Really? I was like, I wonder what the narrative of him will be in a few years. Will he fade into the distance, forgotten like he never happened? Or will he, I don't know, become larger in life and death than he was when he was alive? I mean, we've seen it happen before. The way folks was born in him, it was like he was Tupac or Biggie or some shit. 
Mm. It's the arc of life is not even long. I.E. Bozeman. The arc of life is an arc. An arc. Last but not least, I wanted to talk about, because if I don't talk about it this week, I'm never going to talk about it again because I'm so over it. Dave Chappelle, he's been doing this comedy tour in L.A. Is tour the right word? Comedy, comedy festival might be a better word. Netflix is a joke. He's the headliner. Um, he's been bringing out like amazing acts. One of them was D'Angelo. This all better be taped and airing on Netflix. Um, but he brought out D'Angelo as an opening act. And I never would have heard anything about this because Dave Chappelle insists, like the Broadway show where Jesse is performing butt-ass naked, Dave Chappelle insists that phones are sealed during his show. I went to see him last July. They made me seal my phone. And I was like, you're kidding me right now. It's one thing when you seal the phone, it's just in the pouch and you're just like, okay, fine. When your phone starts vibrating or ringing or pinging and it's in the pouch and you can't get to it, it, it drove me nuts. Neither here nor there. There is no footage of this magical, mystical D'Angelo performance circulating online because no one had a freaking phone out to record it. It's also why there's very little footage of this man going on stage with a fake gun that had a real knife attached to it. This man tackled Dave Chappelle, knocked him to the ground, got up and started running around the stage. And then Dave Chappelle's security entourage, family and friends caught, caught the dude and stomped the fuck out of him. I believe Dave Chappelle may have got a stomp in too. There's, it's rumored that he did. There's a video circulating from two angles. One person was super far away. The other person was to the, I think, the left of the stage. So you can see it a little bit better. But you can't really see who all is doing the stomping. But they fucked that dude up. Now, I don't know what else he expected when he got on the stage and decided to tackle Dave Chappelle. Maybe... He expected to just do it and then like nothing would happen. Like what happened at the Oscars. Will Smith just walked up, slapped the fuck out of Chris Rock and then sat back down, cursed him out from his seat. And literally the show just went on. Maybe that's what the guy thought was going to happen. Maybe he was like channeling his inner Will Smith. But nigga, you not Will Smith. And, and he got stomped out, which he ain't dead. I hope he going to be all right. I'm going to say this, and it's probably not the right thing to say, but it's the thing I'm saying. It needed to happen. It needed to happen. Because as much as I, I don't think, and I said this several times at the Will Smith, Chris Rock drama, I don't think comedians are some protected class where they get to just say anything and insult people and there should be no repercussions to, to what they say. I also think that it sets a really bad precedent of people just getting up and going to slap comedians or anybody for that matter because they don't like the words that are coming out of their mouth. I understand how it happens. I understand it should not happen, but people will do it. But I think when people saw Will Smith do that, I think there might have been too many people who didn't understand that Will Smith got away with it specifically because he was an A-list celebrity in Hollywood. He couldn't have got up and done that shit at any other place other than the Oscars where he could have done it and still be treated like a king afterward. It just wouldn't have happened. But I feel like this guy running on stage and trying it with Dave and getting stomped out and then the pictures of his, his face and dislocated arm while being removed on a stretcher that he was handcuffed to. I think it was important for people to see that. So that they understand you really cannot just be running up on people. Does that make sense? Because as much as I said before, I was like, you can't just talk about people recklessly and expect there to be no consequence. 
You also can't just run up on people and slap them because you're mad about something they said and also expect that there would be no confidence. Chris Rock not reacting to Will Smith gave a lot of people, I think, false hope. So here's the thing. You can say reckless shit and you may or may not get slapped. If you say reckless shit and someone chooses to react to that with violence of any kind, a slap, a punch, whatever, right? The idea that you could slap the person who even the person who started with the reckless shit and they not slap you back, it becomes a whole cycle of bad events. And I feel like Chris Rock not completing the cycle and slapping Will Smith back, back or even on the back end with Chris Rock remaining mostly silent. He said a few pop-off things as of late, like in response to the guy attacking Dave Chappelle, like they went and stomped him out. The guy gets taken out in a stretcher. Dave Chappelle comes back center stage and then Chris Rock appears from somewhere and is like, was that Will Smith? So he's making cracks. He said something else about Will Smith. He said he got smacked by the softest nigga to ever rap. Something like that. Softest nigga to ever pick up a microphone. Some quote calling Will Smith soft. And I was like, but... But the soft nigga slapped you. You might not want to make that joke, my dude. Like, there's plenty of jokes that you can make. I don't. I don't think that's the angle you want to take. Like, let's let's try a different approach to that. Like, let's let's keep that in the vault. That's not that's not material that needs to go public. But I feel like Dave Chappelle completed the cycle of like what happens when you like run up on somebody, the wrong somebody. Like Chris Rock was the right one. Dave Chappelle was you got the right one. Only Black Americans really understand the difference, and that's fine. But yeah, Dave Chappelle, you got the right one. And, you know, they were making jokes about him looking like um, Martin after he fought Tommy Hearns. Black people never forget a good reference. They just never forget. All right. That's the episode for today. Let me go edit this because it's not going to go up until like Wednesday morning. It's late as hell. Thank you for your patience with the podcast while I'm traveling. I really didn't even expect to, to be home today. I swore for two weeks that my flight left on Tuesday. And at some point on Sunday night, I was like, oh, we should do XYZ tomorrow night. We should go to XYZ restaurant. And Davida was like, our flights are tomorrow. And I was like, no, the flight is on Tuesday. And she was like, no, our flights are tomorrow night. And I was like, what? My days were all messed up. I'll be back on track. Friday's episode should be up on time. If it's not, please bear with me because I know I'm about to be jet lagged for at least another five days. So work with me. I opened up the site again. If you'd like to order merch, merchandise is available again on DemetriaLLucas.com. If you want to support the podcast, and I hope you want to support the podcast, please support the podcast. Purchase Ratchet and Respectable merch from DemetriaLLucas.com. That is never everything. It's never everything, but it's what I got. So we will talk again on Friday. Okay. Bye.